Welcome to the first edition of the Bondzilla Podcast. The Bondzilla Podcast is a celebration and analysis of two of film's longest-running franchises, James Bond and Godzilla. This week, we'll take a look at James Bond's very first cinematic adventure, 1962's Dr. No. James Bond. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the very first episode of the Bondzilla podcast. I am Nick Tedesco. And I am Will. And I'm here to also be the co-host of the uh, Bondzilla podcast. Excellent, excellent. You may know me from such podcasts as other podcasts that you may listen to, but, you know, I'm not going to say what they are, because you have to earn that right. Yeah, you, yeah. You, you have to really make the fans <laughs> seek you out. Yeah, yeah. Our, our our new brilliant fans out there. Yeah, it, it is it is a it is a method that uh it hasn't entirely worked. Like you know, and if you you when you play hardball to get fans, like you don't necessarily get them right away. Right. But I'm assuming that it'll pay off one day. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. Well, this is yes. This is the very first episode of the Bonzilla podcast, and so we'll be going over uh, the first. Film in the James Bond series, Doctor No. But before we do that, well, probably we should tell people what we're doing. Exactly. That's, why? Why? I was, was going to go into a nice transition. Why should they? Why should they listen to this podcast? Why is this podcast special and all the other ones suck except the ones I'm in, which you'll never know what they are. Exactly. So yeah. that that was what I was going to transition to. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, Will so well, trans- calmly. Yeah. Interrupted me, which is great. Which yeah. is great. You know, it's, it's really going to get our dynamic down. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so basically, um. You might be uh, wondering why it's called the Bonzilla Podcast. So why is it called the Bonzilla Podcast? Well, because well, uh, I was thinking one day that I <laughs> I really like James Bond. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the James Bond uh, series of films, and you are a big fan of the uh, Godzilla series of films. Well, well, I well I never making all these assumptions about me. How do you know this about me, Nick? Uh, just <laughs> uh, that's all you talk about. Yeah, it's all you talk about. Is it? Yeah. Oh. Okay. Wow. That's why we started a podcast. We should do a podcast about it. Uh, and I was thinking uh, how similar uh, those two series are. You know, they're both two of the, they're two of the longest running franchises. You know, they both have close to 30 films. In Godzilla's case, it does have 30 films. James Bond is a uh, giant lizard, as we all know. Uh, yes, yeah. and uh, Godzilla's a, a secret spy as, as yeah. well. Uh, well, they're both very popular. Uh, they both uh, have different eras, which I think would be interesting to talk about and compare. And also... A lot of their films are bad, <laughs> and yet they remain two of these big right. pop culture icons. Right. And so it would be really interesting to go from someone who's a Bond fan introducing them to Godzilla and someone who's a Godzilla fan introducing them to Bond. I thought yeah. it would be very interesting kind of to discuss those and kind of uh, take those in. Yeah, as Nick said, I'm a, like, obviously I'm a Bond fan. I'm a huge Godzilla fan, which is uh, something that I, I'm not sure a lot of people know about me. Um, but yeah, similarly to Nick, the reason that, uh, I wanted to do this show as well is because, uh, I'm into a lot of, uh, the concept of broad entertainment, especially recently, um, in terms of like, you know, some of the, what you would, many would consider low art, uh, which is like, and basically I'm defining that as basically populist entertainment and you don't get any more populist than Godzilla and James Bond who have all these films. And like you said, most of which are bad, but 
I actually like, you know, I, I like watching all these movies. Oh, like, course, I course. like unabashedly, even though I know a lot of them are bad, but I do like it. But what makes uh, almost a third, almost a thirty movie franchise and a thirty movie franchise? What makes these things live so long? Most of which are bad, yet they are so iconic. Not only are they iconic and they're in the lexicon of cinema and culture, but people actually take inspiration from these things, like uh, subconsciously or consciously. Like everybody's always taking uh, things from Godzilla or James Bond and drawing inspiration from them and creativity from them. So I find that uh, extraordinarily interesting. So that's why I wanted to do it. Oh, yeah. There's going to be a lot of us for us to discover over this podcast. And it's going to be very interesting to see kind of how. Because we'll be going through the films in order. We'll mm-hmm. be doing uh, two film episodes a month, one for Bond, one for Godzilla. We're in for the long haul, folks. Uh, yeah, it's going to be about a three-year journey, hopefully, <laughs> uh, all, if all things go well. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's, uh, let's just take it one at a time. One like, at a time. What, 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 what have we learned from the Marvel movies that you and me love so much? It's like, you know, we may love them, but when you tell people, it's like, hey, listen, here's our five-year plan. Everybody's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like so, Calm down. so basically, what we're saying it's going to be this episode and no other episode. Exactly. So uh, <laughs> just be prepared to to love this and then wonder whatever happened to yeah. those lovely. Nick and then you'll be kids. surprised when there's an episode uh, later in the month. Exactly. So yeah, so we'll be going one Bond and one Godzilla an episode uh, episode a month, uh, in order of the franchise because we kind of want to see how the franchise evolves over time. Right. Uh, we don't want to just go from Doctor No to the Man with the Golden Gun because there's a lot that happens in between, and we kind of want to see the iconography and. Uh, the iconic moments kind of happen in order and yeah. see how it even evolves over time, how an 80s Bond is different than a 60s Bond, how a 50s Godzilla is different than the 1997 Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to start with the uh, James Bond episode. Once again, we're going to talk about Dr. No. But before we do, I just want to briefly kind of go into our history, our personal histories with the Bond franchise. So, right. Will, before this podcast, yeah. what's been your relationship with James Bond? So these have been feature films that you know you would watch on like a... You would either watch on a Blu-ray or a DVD, uh, perhaps even Spike oh. TV. Oh, you would watch Showtime. <laughs> Showtime. No, I think for for me it was it was pretty much Spike okay. Spike TV. Um, yeah, no, I mean James Bond. It was like one of those things where James Bond is like I said, like and much like Godzilla as well. You always know about James Bond before you ever really see a James Bond movie. Right. Like you probably have seen like one of like like how many countless parodies of James Bond. You've heard uh like Bond, James Bond. You heard Shaken Not Stirred. Like you've heard all this stuff. So mm-hmm. it's real it's so hard to pinpoint like exactly where you learned about it. Which is another reason I'm excited to do this because uh like Godzilla and a lot of different things, like even when you look at other things like uh like superhero stuff or um other things, um that you never know quite where you learned about it first. Like Star Wars and stuff like that. So with James Bond uh, there was a lot of hearing little bits about it, so I can't even pinpoint when the first movie I saw was. Right. Um, I do know it was later because somebody quizzed me on what was probably the first James Bond that I ever saw, and it was probably a Brosnan Bond. Okay. Because again, I mean that makes sense. He yeah. was he was the Bond of our childhood in many ways. And right. He was like on the video game and everything. So, uh, it's very interesting because I'm sure a lot of people of our generation would say that Brosnan is their Bond. Right. Um, but I, it's like, again, Bond was never something in my, you know, the whole secret agent thing was never the immediate go-to for my entertainment, but it's like, but you know, but who at the same time, who isn't entertained by secret agents? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for me, uh, my dad was a big Bond fan. Right. Um, he was like one of the few movie franchises or movies that he really enjoyed and constantly watched. Uh, my memories of it were basically kind of 
on on Showtime or Epics or whatever those channels were, those like movie channels that would just you right. know, play movies all the time before they were all high end TV channels, right. like before. Spike TV. Ex- yeah, but um, you mentioned Epics and you laughed at my Spike TV <laughs> reference. No, 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 no. I, I was just saying because Showtime was my introduction. So gotcha. I was just okay. Adding to it. Right. Um, and they would just have these days, these nights where they would just play like three or four Bond movies in a row, and you'd see like Live and Let Die and Goldfinger and everything. And that was kind of my first introduction. Uh, to Bond, but really where I became like a big Bond fan was uh, during kind of the lead up to Skyfall, mm-hmm. because that was the 50th anniversary and they had people... So you jumped on the Bond wagon. Well, it was more so like, um, you know, people were Comedy making folks. making like the, the fan, like, you know, retrospective, like, uh, like you know, yeah. trailers and, you know, montages and stuff. And there was a bunch of, you know, hype and, and a reflection on the series because it was 50 years at that point. Right. And it was kind of me realizing, wait, wait a minute, I really do like these movies. I've really enjoyed watching them. So I bought the 50th anniversary Bond Blu-ray set, which has all the films up to Skyfall. Yeah. And after that, I just got really into it. I started watching all the films, and that would just realize like I just really, really like the James Bond franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of my relationship with it. Uh, it's just you know, it's it's kind of one of those weird things too because it's just it was kind of one of those odd things about that was a part of my childhood that I really never considered. Right. And now it's just kind of a part of my life. Well, it's in, it's interesting because uh, as as we go through this journey, um, it, it, I have seen probably only a handful of James Bond movies. I've seen all the Craig Bonds because they, you know they've just come out um, recently. Right. Um, I've seen maybe two Brosnan movies, and I've seen maybe like two or three of the rest of them. So it's going to be interesting like going through them because I haven't seen most of them, as when we moved to Godzilla, you, you've seen less yes. uh, of those. Yes. So, um, it, so it's, very, it's very exciting going in and uh, being able to... Uh, you know, watch these all for the first time. Uh, yeah. um, if I ever come across, as we talk about the movies, that um, I'm belittling them or chastising the movies, uh, then it's probably because I am. <laughs> uh, so, because, uh, and I mean that—that's one of the things I think is important to talk about. Bonzilla is it, just this podcast in general is like to me. That's kind of almost the fun of it. Like you, you know me. I, I host another podcast where generally our attitude is like we like to be like more positive about mm. about things but that this isn't me just being like oh these movies are garbage but it's kind of like you know you watch them it's like some of them they're not as great oh yeah but yeah. it's like to me like that's kind of like the charm and not like the whole oh it's so bad it's good but it's just kind of like it is what it is it's kind of like making fun of your siblings that <laughs> right yeah yeah that are like I you mean, know little assholes so oh, it's yeah. like you just kind of make you just kind of you, you make fun of it and uh but i mean but we also come from a place where a genuine actual like of um either another aspect of them or them in general even though yeah. like they're things that we're like oh that's not really up to snuff and just for me real quick i i'm really excited to kind of rediscover some of the films especially kind of in it's been a while since i've seen some of them mm-hmm. um since probably like even after i first got the blu-ray set and so it'll be interesting to see me now and kind of the different ways i enter- take in film and entertainment kind of the more positive light yeah will i appreciate some of the more films more than i do or will I like some of the comedy films less than I do? So well, we well like also another thing real quick. One of the inspirations for this podcast is I think I saw the man with the golden gun. Well, you have always been fascinated with the fact that I love Godzilla so much. Yeah. Um. But then when I think I watched Man with the Golden Gun, 
and uh, just my commentary on that movie oh, was yeah, just like, yeah. that needs to be recorded. And there's, there's a lot coming up that I'll be really interested to see what you think. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, again, and, that's, and then we just kind of saw, like, there's just a lot of similarities. Like we said, like, you know, as many movie, movies. How was it, like, uh, 24? Yeah, the next one will be 25 for Bond. 25 Bond yeah. movies. Um, you know, you talk about the fact that everybody's, like, complaining about there's a sick Spider-Man movie coming out. There's, like, 24 goddamn bond movies yeah <laughs> and and you know what everybody's doing right now everybody can't wait to see who the next bond is. oh absolutely i can't wait to see who <laughs> like everybody's like get craig out of here get get us a new bond right it's um, just because that's it's just part that's such a part of the film world now so before because i know we're going to move on to our next segment but i do have a question for you okay. so going for just because we'll see where we end up and we'll keep this progress as we're going what would you say is either in your top your top Bond film or films, and who would you say right now is your favorite Bond? Right now, as we go into this, my favorite Bond is Connery. I think okay. Connery is Bond, and Bond is Connery, and I, you know, can't Bonner- really... Bonnery. Bonnery, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I'm a big fan of the first three, um, okay. which we'll talk about. The Doctor No from Rush With Love, Goldfinger. Uh, and then Goldeneye is kind of up there, too. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, yeah, uh, I'm really, really, really excited to talk about uh, the Dalton films when we get there, because mm-hmm. uh, I'm a big fan of the Dalton Bond, and I can't wait to defend him to the world. Cool. And any other uh, general things about the show, about Bondzilla, or about Bond that we're we're gonna go that we should say going forward? Um, I also Spy Who Loved Me. You can't mention good Bonds without the Spy Who Loved Me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'm ready to get into it. All right, yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we'll probably do some house cleaning at the end of it, but yeah. Uh, yeah. But let's let's get into it because so we are starting. I assume on the last Bond movie. Yes, yeah, a Bond movie that no, no, not even Spectre. Like one that's like in the scripting stages. Oh, okay, right so we're gonna yeah. sneak into yeah. uh, you know, Eon Productions. Yeah. and just figure out what's going on. Aeon Productions. It's Eon Productions. <laughs> So we're going to talk about that movie. Yes. So what kind of paper do you think they wrote that script on? Uh, <laughs> yellow paper. Yeah, yellow paper. Because it's probably like, because you, you know, you write papers, you write them on different colored papers. Right, right. So probably in the yellow phase, moving on to the pink phase. Isn't that like the second or third script or something? Yeah. The yellow paper? Hey. Wow. Come on, get this Bond movie out, guys. You're on the third, the third right. version. So anyway, so what are we really talking about today? So tonight we're talking about the first... James Bond film, Dr. No, released in 1962, uh, directed by Terrence Young. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to, but before we get into the actual production of the movie, I feel like we have to talk about the development right. of Bond itself. Because basically, so these episodes, and this is also going to go into the Godzilla episodes, is that we're going to talk, the way we're going to divide these episodes up right. is that we are going to uh, obviously introduce the movie. We're going to talk about the development first, then we're going to talk about the movie in which we praise or belittle the movie, depending on what it is. Maybe or both. Mix, or both, yeah. Yeah, or both. Um, and then we're going to talk about the aftermath of the movie in terms of how successful it was at the time, the legacy of it now, and then we are going to say goodbye, and then you have to wait until the next episode. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so Dr. No, uh, 1960-something, directed by Terrence, Terrence Howard. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Terrence Howard was definitely the director. Right. Of Dr. No. And he was also a war machine. What, one point? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. Uh, so uh, we got to talk a little bit, not too much, because I think I'll, I don't want to save this for a, little, a later episode, okay. um, but I want to talk about a little bit about Ian Fleming and the books. So Ian Fleming being the, the author, author of and, the creator of James Bond. There we go. Uh, so in real life, Ian Fleming was a badass. 
because he was in World War II and he was an actual spy. Like he was an actual counterintelligence for the Allies during the war. He came up with a bunch of different plans, uh, backup plans in case like the Nazis did this or that. He was on the front line stealing drug, a Nazi documents. He was like a real life James Bond. And so once the war was over in 1953, he decided that he wanted to be uh, a novelist and he wanted to write kind of books inspired by a lot of the stuff that he saw and experienced uh, during his World War II days. So in 1953, he publishes the first James Bond book, Casino Royale. And uh, it is a, a little bit of a success. Uh, that's more so, it kind of, the, again, the beginning of that franchise uh, of books. And, but, but Fleming also had always had an eye for getting it adapted into a, a film. Uh, so the very first Bond production was in 1954. The, on the, sp- the spy version of Mark Millar. <laughs> yes. Very good comparison. Yeah. Hopefully, well, that's why I'm here. If you get that, fans... Good on you. You're, you're good on you. Uh, in the American uh, anthology series, Climax, with an exclamation point. Um, <laughs> okay. And uh, where James Bond was made American, called Jimmy Bond, mm. and is basically a pretty much straight adaptation of Casino Royale. Um, but our production on Dr. No starts kind of in 1958. There's a man named Albert Cubby Broccoli, a, a major uh, film producer. Mm-hmm. In Britain, who loves the James Bond books. And broccoli. Uh, yes. And, he well, has, and carrots. And which carrots, is, yes. uh, Which you, you would not expect from a man named Broccoli. Uh, he is part of a production company called Warwick Productions with a man named uh, Irving Allen. And he uh, really wants to do a Bond film. Mm-hmm. He feels like that it could be a, a big deal, make a lot of money. Uh, he loves the books, loves the idea of it. And uh, he has this vision of, of doing... You know, because at this point, by 1958, he's, you know, Fleming's written a couple books. You know, he's written, like, more than one. And so, Broccoli kind of has this vision of doing a, like, five, six, seven indefinite kind of film franchise. Which is really interesting to consider, because at the time, it's 1958, that really wasn't an idea. Like, you definitely had film sequels. Right. But this was, you know, before the age of kind of the Star Wars and, you know, the... Now, now you can't stop a person from wanting to make a franchise. Want to make a franchise. Yeah. But at that point, it's like, you know, <laughs> you, it, it just was a really, especially with the, with the Bond films, which at, you could probably start with small budgets, but eventually would have to go big, like a big blockbuster right. franchise. Well, like I, I had always said, like, with any movie, like I always joke, like, no matter big or small movie, no matter intimate or corporate or whatever, like I always say about any movie, it's like, well, what's the why? Why? Why should right. we do this? Now, imagine doing that. It's like I want to do that, but I also want to make a series of them. Yeah, no, it's just like it really was just ahead of its time a little bit of just in terms of in terms of where Hollywood and Britain film were at at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like because I don't really feel like the rest of Hollywood kind of got the sequelitis stuff until even post Star Wars, when mm-hmm. like that really was proven. Like, hey, we can do franchises like the eighties, right? Uh, so. He sets up a meeting, or Iva Broccoli sets up a meeting with Ian Fleming, but Broccoli's wife gets sick, and so he has to tend to her, and so he sends his partner out, Irving Isn't it kind out. of ironic when yeah. your name is Broccoli and you get sick? <laughs> like, it's just like, <laughs> it's like you're the, one of the healthiest people. I assume it's like you right. and Broccoli. I, I I would assume. I mean, yeah. but you assume too much, probably. The, um, most of the Bond episodes is probably also going to be me making fun of the name Broccoli, and well, especially because none of none of the jokes. Everybody will be calls funny. him Cubby Broccoli. Cub- like that's his name. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> no way. <laughs> uh, so I don't even have to make the joke, <laughs> right? Uh, so Irving Allen yeah. is sent mm-hmm. to New York to meet with Ian Fleming, and um, 
uh, have a quote here from that meeting. Uh, Irvin Allen says, quote, your books are not even good enough for television, Mr. Fleming. Whoa. So, uh, so the the meeting, this was, this was the pre stranger things and breaking bad days. Right. When everybody would be like, you would want to get it on television. That's history folks. That is history right there. Yes. In a nutshell. This is the days when everybody on everything on TV was either a comedy or uh, kind of and James Bond or had the quality of climax with an exclamation point. And James Bond ain't no comedy. No. Well, debatable, but <laughs> we will see. So <laughs> basically, like that that meeting basically dissolves the relationship between Broccoli and Alan because Broccoli's like, I wanted these films, and Alan's like, but they're 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 bad books, dude. And he's <laughs> like, No, I hate you. That that's ba- that is also a direct quote, by the way. Um. 1960, a man named Harry Saltzman, a Canadian film producer, mm-hmm. reads Goldfinger, loves it, finally picks up the Bond rights uh, for $50,000. He has six months to start a production. Uh, Cubby, Wait, he bought the rights for $50,000? Yes. Okay. Yes, he, he bought the rights for $50,000. Gotcha. Okay. And he has six months to start producing the film. Right. Uh, We've all been there. Cubby gets word of this and meets with, Al, or meets with uh, Saltzman. And they decide to form a partnership, and they form Eon Productions. With Eon f- Productions. <laughs> it is Eon Productions, <laughs> by the way, um, which was rumored at the time to be stand for everything or nothing. Right. Uh, but that is just a rumor. Uh, it might just be Eon for whatever reasons. Nobody <laughs> knows. One of the great mysteries of film. Why is it called Eon Productions? Well, or well, because it's called Aeon Productions. Uh, okay. <laughs> You walked into that Eon, <laughs> Eon. Tomato, tomato. Yeah. Uh, and at this same time, as soon as they make that deal, uh, the executive at United Artists mm-hmm. also reads Goldfinger, finds out that these um, someone else has the rights. Whereas uh, Saltzman and Cubby, on their own, set up a meeting with United Artists trying to get a budget. Within an hour, they have a deal mm-hmm. to make the first James Bond movie. But and the what, rest is history. But what would that Bond movie be? Yeah. Would it be Casino Royale, the first book? Would you Obviously, start by... Nick, it would be Casino Royale. Casino Royale was the first book. So you start with the first book. It, this is just... Ba- like, you know, we don't even have to... Like, we'll just move on into the movie segment. Cut. Print. Moving on, right? No. What? It's a little more complicated than that. No. Come on. See, after that first adaptation of Casino Royale in 1954, did not do too well. Uh, kind, of, kind of. Well, kind of was just. It was. It was part of climax with an exclamation point. It wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't going to be an indelible part of American pop culture at the that point. The climax is the best part, arguably. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> um. Uh. So, Fleming sold the rights again in 1955 to make a film and. So he could sell all the rights to all the other books to Saltzman, but right. he couldn't sell Casino Royale. The, the rights were tied up. So what about Thunderball? What about Thunderball, Nick? That's uh, like the third, the second book, right? Or it what? is not, but uh, it, was, it was a book that was developed as a film originally. Okay. So they were thinking, oh, this is kind of very filmic. <laughs> right. But as we'll get to in the Thunderball episode... <laughs> the movie there, industry, folks. <laughs> there's, a, there's a very complicated history with Thunderball. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then finally, uh, they go with Dr. No, because Dr. No uh, has one of the simplest stories in the Bond franchise, and it only has one location. Yeah, one could argue too simple. Oh, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, also, what? well, hmm, we'll talk about it. Uh, so, wait, so Dr. No, that was one of the books, or... 
Or yeah. did or did Ian Fleming make specifically movie pitchable Bond stories? Uh, the only one that it was like that was Thunderball. Okay, Thunderball, gotcha. which again I don't want to get too much into because no, no, it's no, a no, whole it saga. Curious. But so Doctor uh, No Doctor was no one of the actual one of the books. books. Okay, yes, yeah. yes. All uh, you'll get to all the books. What what book through. was that in the series? Uh, I oh man. I believe it was like the fourth or fifth book. It was kind of in the middle. This is why we brought you on to the show, Nick. Yes, because you're the host too. But this as well. Yeah, it was kind. Of, it was kind of the one of the middle books. Okay. Um, it'll be very interesting to kind of talk about how they kind of go back and forth between the early books and the late books. Mm-hmm. Um, so they went with Doctor No. Doctor No. Then they need the you know then they need to start getting this thing going. They mm-hmm. need the guys to start production. So they find a director. Uh, they go through a bunch of you know uh, one of the initial ideas actually is to. Uh, uh, use uh, Alfred Hitchcock and Cary Grant as James Bond, uh, but the issue was like, this, what like a like a combination of the two, like, like yeah, kind of like bringing back the crew together from North by Northwest. Oh, I thought it was like they were gonna like superimpose Alfred Hitchcock's head onto oh. like was it Cary Grant? Yeah, yeah, because well, the way you said it was. Like oh yeah, yeah, no, some no, sort no. of the, weird meta with Alfred Hitchcock, fusion. Alfred Hitchcock directing, right? Cary Grant as Bond. Ooh, that's an interesting one. Uh, but I can't pro- see that. But the problem one is that uh, the Cary- Alfred Hitchcock part, I can't see him right. doing a Bond movie. Uh, probably why he didn't do a Bond probably, movie. Probably yeah. why he didn't do a Bond movie. Well, God, Grant wouldn't commit to more than one film. Mm. Oh. How, hey, uh, li- listen. That's very uh, prophetic, like with uh, movies now a little bit, yeah. right? Yeah, it's kind of yeah. like, oh, I don't want to tie myself down right. to Doctor Especially Strange. At this time, yeah. like, again, that wasn't a thing. You just do yeah. a movie and then you'd move on. See, this is why we do the show. This is I never, I didn't know that. That's really and cool. And then uh, they were also looking at uh, James Mason, who was the villain of North by Northwest, also mm-hmm. Captain Nemo in the Disney 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. One of your uh, favorites. And then, uh, yeah, I love that film. Uh, he would only agree to do two movies. Mm-hmm. Wait, he was so he was the Captain, he was the Captain Nemo guy? Yeah. He was great in that movie he's when great, we watched yeah, it. Yeah, he yeah. was. Yeah, yeah, and uh, he's also great as a villain, North by Northwest. Uh, and then they he also, was the plane. <laughs> yeah, uh, they also asked at this time for Doctor No, Roger Moore. Okay, uh, but Roger Moore was tied up in television at the time, and he was about to embark. And Bond ain't, no, ain't for television. Ain't for television, as yeah. we know. Yeah, uh, he was also about to embark on the series that would make him a British star, mm-hmm. uh, which is based on another series of books, The Saint. Okay, which I would love to go over at some point too. Johnny Saint. Uh, finally. Uh, Cubby Broccoli sees a film called another Disney movie. Uh, this is a, a big, big, big day for me as a Disney fan. Uh, he sees another Disney movie called uh, Darby O'Gill and the Little People, who uh, stars one Sean Connery. Uh, and there's a scene in that film where Sean Connery gets in a bar fight, and from that moment on, Cubby said, "That's my Bond." Uh, and then he asked his wife if Connery had sex appeal. <laughs> she said yes. Right. Uh, a little biased, don't you think? A little biased, I guess. But uh, you should have asked the the um, extended family if he has sex appeal, right? Because then it's like, oh wow, if like if the rest of the family is willing to admit this, like the in laws and everything, then you know he has sex appeal because that'd be weird to mention that about like your son in law. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> and that's how you know how, how. But yeah, but that's just how potent the right. sexual energy is. All right, yeah. So uh, after that. The United Artists is like, we don't want an unknown for Bond. And then they meet with Connery. He's like, oh, yes, we do. Yeah. So he in that way. Like, in that way, exactly. They're like, oh, yes. They see the sex appeal. Yeah, well. <laughs> I was going to say. Um, and then, you know, it just kind of rolls from there. They get Terrence Young, uh, kind of who did uh, some war films in Britain. Um, and who's described as kind of like, if he was an actor, he would have played Bond. He was just that kind of cool, suave person. Now, is he now in... I'm seeing a lot of what I think is cool... 
because uh, one of one of the things that bugs me about uh, movie talk nowadays is that there's a lot of revisionist history with movies. Like everybody thinks, like, oh, like movies were like so pure and like right. full of art all the time. Like when, and, and I'm not saying that specifically makes a good movie. Obviously, you you, you know where no I'm no yeah, yeah of course it. of course. But it's just interesting going back, and I'm I'm kind of seeing some similarities with like all right we we. Here's a person who's kind of committed to like, and they kind of saw the franchise potential in it. It kind of oh yeah yeah yeah, and like the fact that like oh we want this actor to sign on for multiple movies. An actor doesn't want to do this. So my question is, uh, Terrence Young is his name. Yeah. What what did he was he a director who had a um a some sort of a pedigree behind him, or was it just kind of one of those we need somebody to make an action? I mean, it it kind of was. I mean, the other directors they looked at guys you you wouldn't know because because they're. Like they were kind of rising British stars at the time. Because this was also also during the time of the movie star a little bit. A so little bit, yeah. The movie star was, I I would argue, was slightly right. more important than who was actually directing the movie. I mean, like, like of of the directors they considered, uh, Young definitely has the most uh, the most kind of history behind him. Because mm-hmm. the, the, these other guys that they considered, uh, Guy Green, uh, Ken Harris, or Ken Ken Hughes, and Guy Hamilton, who actually would do a Bond film. Uh, a little bit later, uh, they were kind of, you know, they were kind of up and comers in a sense. Whereas Young had worked with Broccoli before on a on a war film called The Red Berets, uh, and he just kind of had the maturity to him that I think the production really needed because it was really kind of a new thing, and they were trying to uh, just make it work. Um, and Young Young was basically people credit Young a lot with kind of really shaping Connery's bond because he was the one who found him all the suits. He was the one who told him kind of like, Oh, do your hair like this kind of act like this kind of be this suave. Cause he was, as, as I said, people described him as kind of the real kind of coolness of James Bond. That was the element that he brought right. to the film and to kind of the bond character. Uh, and that he and Connery really had a really nice relationship with each other uh, in terms of the directing thing. So yeah, then production starts. Uh, United Artists uh, says we are only going to give you one million dollars for the budget, uh, which was definitely something that they had to deal with. Um, is filmed on location in Jamaica, and a lot of they filled out the cast, which we'll kind of talk about once we get into the film itself. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that they did have to do, the major casting was of the uh, the Bond girl, uh, the leading lady, uh, Honey Rider. They couldn't find somebody. Then one day, two weeks before production started, uh, they saw a picture of uh, Ursula Andress in a wet t-shirt, mm-hmm. did not even meet with her, just sent her a contract <laughs> to play Honey Rider, <laughs> of course. and then two weeks later, she was yes. in Jamaica uh, to play the part. The, but bond, lot- the bond legacy was very much intact yes. like, uh, from day one. <laughs> um, then it was, you know, they were in Jamaica. A lot of the actors uh, that were not the main cast were locals, mm-hmm. like uh, the photographer lady, uh, which we'll talk about. Um, she was actually a flight attendant on the flight down to right. Jamaica, and then the director was like, hey, do you want to be in pictures? He's like, uh, sure, can I have your ticket? Moving pictures. Moving pictures. The motion picture industry. The sound moving pictures. And then uh, Strange Ways was just a retired actor, and one of the three blind mice men was uh, Strange Ways' dentist. So you just kind of filled it out as much as they could to kind of get this done. Right. Okay, um, so it's kind of like a, uh, you know, really, really uh, cobbling this together. Right, because again, they only had a million dollars, and, and United Artists was very, very adamant, like, you're not getting more right. than a million. You're going to have to work with that. Um, How dare they? <laughs> and the one thing I want to, because I'm pretty much ready at this point to yeah. uh, to get to the film. Cool. But the one thing I do want to mention, um, one thing I've discovered doing a lot of research is one of the unsung heroes of the Bond franchise is production designer Ken Adam. 
Uh, he'll do the Bond productions from now pretty much until The Spy Who Loved Me, so until the, into the 70s. Uh, his sets, as we'll kind of talk about a little bit, uh, really define a lot about the Bond franchise, especially his villain sets, kind of really take that in and bring kind of a, 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 a deeper quality to kind of the visual look of the film. So I just want to give him a shout out uh, and kind of I'll point out some of his more interesting work as the series goes on. Cool. Um, so is that it for development? Uh, I think that's it for development. I think this is the beginning. Okay, the so we, we are actually going to be talking about the film and also apologies, not apologies, I'm not apologizing for anything, but just to let people know this is a show that probably won't run too much longer, but will run a little bit longer than our normal episodes because we're introducing everything. Mm-hmm. So right now what we're going to do is we're just going to take a really quick break for you. It'll only be a couple seconds, and we when we come back, we are going to be talking about Dr. No, the movie itself. I admire your courage, Miss... Uh... Trench. Sylvia Trench. I admire your luck, Mr... Bond. James Bond. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you enjoyed those couple seconds of lovely, 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 whatever we put in between those seconds. Yeah, it was probably even less than a couple seconds. It may have been one, it may have been three, it may have been two. Who knows? Who really knows? But anyway, so we are back. We're going to be talking about the movie itself. You, You heard about our thoughts on Bond, our goal for the podcast. You even heard some interesting little tidbits about how the production of James Bond is not too unlike the production of a movie nowadays. So... Do your film history, folks. We don't live in a terrible time of movies. It's an awesome time of movies because it's reminiscent in this, uh, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't use Dr. No as a great example. <laughs> Uh-oh, did I play my hand too early on Dr. No? We're we'll going to be see. talking about Dr. No. We're going to be talking about Dr. No. Um, so before I start rambling on, so how, how do we want to start this? So we watched Dr. No. This is my first time watching this, as it will be for many Bond movies. So should we say like what you what you think about it, what I think about it? How do, how do you want to go? You're leading the discussion for um, Bond. Well, you know, I I feel like I feel like you just got to start from the beginning. Yeah, you got to start from the beginning. So let, let's start from the beginning. That has this weird. I have my notes too. All right. That, that starts out with this uh, weird, uh, as I called it, electric company counting segment. Uh, like yeah, opening with with the classic introduction. Yeah, with of all the James the Bond theme, little circles and colorful psychedelic circles. Where I was just, I was just expecting it to be double oh seven eight nine ten eleven twelve. Like that's just what yeah. it looked like. And the Bond theme is on it. But you know, it was interesting that this whole movie was interesting. Just going back because you're watching the first Bond movie. Yes, and I, you know, you you kind of go in like knowing it, it's it's a little bit. It's a little bit hard to separate it from kind of the what franchise. What you know it has become. And like yeah. the, the the iconography that would be added. Right. But it's not. Uh, it's and developed. Not, it's not like a case of um, where like when we get into the Godzilla movies, a little bit of what that franchise become is not at not as radically, but it's different from what that first movie is. Yeah. And a lot of franchises are like that. So it's not as drastic as with james bond like mm-hmm. you see the c it's like basically the rest of the movies is this movie just turned up to 11 <laughs> right um so it wasn't but it was interesting going back where i was like there was a lot of times i was sitting back i was like waiting for the pun or waiting for like the yes. the smart ass comment and uh um waiting for the misogyny which came eventually <laughs> yeah um well it's it's funny because you mentioned that because a lot of the a lot of the humor of the film was... It also starts with this weird Hispanic cover of Three Blind Mice. Like Jamaican cover. Jamaican cover. Whatever. I'm a racist now. Uh, but it's just... It's, it was... 
Really strange. Uh, like, well, we, we, not even like first of all, midway think, through the thing. I, I do think we 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 should just talk about kind of the iconography that is present. Right. Uh, first of all, uh, the gun barrel sequence, yeah. um, which I I kind of always forget is is this early, um, because it kind of it seems like it's so iconic that you feel like like a lot of the other things in the Bond franchise would come a little bit later. Yeah. But the fact that it like actually opens similar with to Jason doesn't start wearing his mask, mask until, until the third until Friday. third film. Right. So that was actually one thing I was. It was like, oh, okay, so that was which was right funny because um that was uh done at the last minute too. That was basically kind of a couple weeks before the film release, mm-hmm. and they actually put a a small camera inside an actual gun. Oh, nice. And then had uh, the stuntman put uh, a little stuntman. Yeah, in stunt, there. Buntman, stuntman Barb Armstrong yeah. in in the cat kind of come by and do it to the act as Connery. Uh, and then also the theme itself. It is... Yeah, you keep going. I'm just going to be doing this. Now, it, I mean, it is really good. Like, it's such... An, it, it, I can't really describe like why it's so good. because it's so It's so good that the filmmakers found it acceptable to haphazardly place it anywhere they wanted to in the movie. Well, that kind of goes into... <laughs> it, that really does go into kind of the, the nature of the production yeah. because the other, thing about the, the other thing about the development of the theme was that it, it took a while for the theme to come together because right. they hired a man named Monty Norman who was kind of a, a musician and a, a musical writer in Britain and he kind of had like a writer's block type of thing for it until he looked at one of his old uh, musicals, like abandoned musicals, and found like a, kind of the groove like... Mm-hmm. Doo, 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 doo. Like that was kind of like the groove that he found, and so he developed it, but he couldn't really fill it out. So uh, they hired a man named John Barry, right, a classic film composer, uh, who filled it out and created the theme you know today. And it was just so good that the editor, um, this was a little different because they didn't really have like the film scored throughout, like you would have in other movies or other Bond films. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, you basically like they found the theme and then they. They just placed it in when uh, they found Bond was going to be really cool. Well, that was my biggest source of ridicule throughout the whole movie was just, and I had known this going in, but just like how they just place that fucking song everywhere. Right. Uh, but because it, it's like he, he, like it's it's like him walking. It starts out pretty cool because like his introduction, which is pretty badass. The introduction like, is perfect when he's uh, playing poker. But uh, uh, Baccarat, Baccarat, um, which is probably is like one of those like little facts where it's like everybody probably thinks he's playing poker. But he's actually playing Bacharach. Um, but uh, he, uh, what was I saying? Um, oh, like he's playing that, and then they have the, and then they play the song. It's like, ding, 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 and, and it's cool. But then for the rest of the movie, it's just like him walking through a hallway, and it's like, like it's like it doesn't, it doesn't fit as background music. Like the little, the little guitar riff at the beginning works, but like the rest of it, it's like, like it doesn't. And it, it it's, it's really just like thrown wherever, and it was the biggest source of comedy for me. It's like, oh, okay, well, okay, I don't know. I've, I've I've kind of always liked it a little bit. I mean, I I will say that I I, I love it in the introduction because I just yeah. want to go back to that introduction of Bond real quick. It's perfect. It's it it really does kind of capture just an indelible coolness of the character. Uh-huh. Uh Just like not showing him for a little bit, him playing cards, having the Sylvia Trench character. Um, Sylvia Trench, of course, played by Eugenie Grayson. Right. Uh, and uh, it, it's just like I, they, they kind of have a nice chemistry with each other at the table. But and that, and that kind would... of that the Bond, James Bond response, like, right. 
it, it just it just really works and then the theme coming in it, it really does look like to me it's funny because it's like you almost couldn't make that more iconic like, right on purpose it just feels like it was so set up to be like oh peep this is awesome yeah and, and i is. agree with that but the rest of the music is just on the level of like if like when um like Luke and Obi Wan are walking to the Millennium Falcon, and then you just hear like da 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 da. I don't know. I don't know. I will. I will also defend it using it in the airport scene because I think it also kind of works as is kind of him starting the spy stuff. You know, if it if it it's hard to say too because it's I'm so used to the other Bond films that have kind of these other scoring quirks that we will talk about and and get to. Uh, and and the first Bond film doesn't really have that because it really just has the main theme uh, and then like kind of other little bits of music along the way. Well, the, um, I think I think real quick we should pause because we're about to get into some meat. But it's like the, so the general this is just the potatoes. Yeah, yeah. we're getting into the the, meat. the general plot of the movie is James Bond is this is before the age of where we have to origin story everything, folks. Exactly. Like James, James Bond is 007. He has his license to kill. Uh, but there, there's a little bit of tension that I liked in it. That I did like because it's Q. Is it Q? Not Q. Uh, is it M? Is, is or is it just like the leader of MI? It's yeah. MI17 in this. In it's MI7 in this one because yeah, they, Sorry, they were yeah. scared of uh, offending the real MI6. Okay, so they just made up MI7. In the future films, it is. But MI. is it M? Like, it's M. Yeah. Okay. It's so M. like, but M like has a few lines of dialogue where you know it's kind of you know maybe Bond doesn't quite play by the rules. He's, he's right because because he, he mentions. Um, yeah, on his uh, last job, his gun jammed. He was in the hospital for a while. You know, you're gonna you're gonna change your gun. You know, you're you're gonna play by. You're gonna do what you say. You're gonna do what you're told. But you gotta play by the rules, Bond. That uh, you just turned into Harrison Ford. Yeah, well, I mean, that's just gonna be my Harrison. Voice of I, would, I would see Harrison Ford as them. Yeah, yeah, where he's just like. You can't go. I'm doing the pointing. If you can't yeah. see, because you can't, because it's a podcast. Uh, he's like, but he's like, you can't go around jamming your gun, Bond. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Even though he's not British, he's just leading. Find my wife. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, so basically, the like the plot. It, this is like going to be an, a running gag without Bond throughout Bond movies. Is that I am not a very inte- like inte- well. Uh, yeah, I'm not. A, I'm not like. I'm not all there with it all the right. time. So it's like I'll watch a Bond movie and I'll be so confused at what actually the plot is. Right. But but not like what the plot is. Like I know good guy versus bad guy, but exactly like all right, what's the conspiracy and who's behind it and who's working with who? Like sometimes I can easily get yeah. lost with that in a Bond movie, partially because I'm not all there with it, partially also because I don't think a lot of Bond movies actually. Um, uh, execute that information as well as they could personally mm-hmm. um so there was a little bit of that in this one but i kind of understood like no i was a little confused about like why so he has to go to jamaica because why because uh, like, basically um an agent strange ways yeah who is was it which is an awesome name yeah for an agent um is basically he he has to report in radio wise every day and he mysteriously doesn't, and that means that there's something going on. Uh, and there's also been reports of uh, radio interference in the area, mm-hmm. uh, which was based on actual conspiracies at the time. People thought that the the Cubans were interfering with American radio signals and stuff like that. So they were basically like, "Bond, you got to go. You got to figure out what happened to our agent. Make sure everything's okay." Right. Because because if an agent doesn't respond, like it might be like, "Oh, he just had a heart attack." But it's also like he is a secret agent. This is the industry where it's like you have to be aware that if if 
anything goes wrong, there's also the possibility that it's the worst possible scenario. Right. That it is a world domination plot, so, essentially. So basically, the movie is him going to figure out, then he finds there's a bigger plot by Dr. No, who's the villain of the movie, and that's essentially like the, that's the, the, the movie. That's the main gist <laughs> yeah, of it, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it's this. It's like, he goes to this mission, it's find out that a villain is like has bigger plans in store, and then he beats the villain. Yeah, I mean... And I'm not saying that dismissively, it's just no, like no, no. that. that's what it is. But, but I also think that that kind of works as as a bond introduction because i think what that affords is it, it kind of introduces it, it introduces the audience to the investigative elements of 007 cuz he has to go around he mm. he does all the stuff of trying to figure out asking uh, around the town kind of inducing like oh this guy knew about the secretary so mm-hmm. he must be involved because everybody else doesn't know about the secretary kind of that detective element him doing like the kind of the spy stuff um him having the relationships with with everybody I, I just think like the the simple story well it, in some ways yes i think it, it is very simple and hasn't aged like incredibly well in, in in comparison to kind of some of the other the meteor bond plots hey listen I, um, i'm all for a simple bond right bond story. I, I think it really works as like the world's introduction to james bond i you know what it was interesting I, so i enjoyed watching it um and it was very interesting like i said going back and watching the first bond movie i was a little bit surprised at the production value of it. Like I didn't know it was like filmed in Jamaica and the, the exotic feel of James Bond going to exotic lands and doing missions yeah, and stuff that, was that, that present because I, I honestly went into this movie thinking it was going to not be garbage, but at least look like garbage. Like right. I thought it was just going to be so cobbled together of like that. I don't know why I thought that because it's like the first Bond movie. Right. Um. So I was actually quite impressed by how, um, as cinematic as they could make it on that budget being, yeah. which is not incredibly cinematic, but it's still there was a lot more. Yeah, I mean, uh, it is production it, put into really it than when I you thought. look at it. It's like they are they were working with a lot of caveats. I mean, they they did have a million dollar budget, and at one point they were close to overrunning, and you guys almost almost pull out their entire support because they were like, well, if we keep adding money, to this movie we're probably not going to make it back. Because mm-hmm. because it was Cubby and, and Saltzman who really had the idea that like, oh, this could be more than one whereas united artists like united artists were the ones like okay let's just take this one at a time which is kind of really funny that like the studio you know in terms of what we think of movies now it's like the studio was the one it's like all right well let's settle down here let's kind of see how this first one goes right yeah whereas it's like the directors and producers like oh we're gonna make this like we're gonna make 10 films out of this and it's gonna be fantastic um, but I've always, yeah, it's one of the reasons like I've always liked this film is I just think it, it very much works as kind of like the first Bond, I think. Because I think if, the, you, if you picked like another Bond as uh-huh. the first, like just knowing it, it's like they, those get like more complicated and they're, this one has a really good avenue of like introducing the audience to who Bond is. Like you have that scene with M and you also have the first scene with Miss um, Moneypenny. Mm-hmm. And like you kind of, the, the way that they do it too, which is like between the Sylvia, between Sylvia Trench and Moneypenny, you get that, the sexuality of Bond mm-hmm. right away. You get those introductions and you get introduced to that part of it. And then immediately on the spy stuff, when you get to Jamaica, he's at the airport. He sees he he's suspicious of the guy picking him up. Finds out he he isn't actually part of of the government agency down there, and kind of has that sequence where he, you know, basically beats up the guy and kills him. Yeah, it, it's interesting because uh, like kind of like what you had alluded to. Like one of the things I found most interesting about it was you you have all the seeds of Bond in here. Like yeah. you have like kind of like a little bit of the sexuality, probably. 
which is there, but I, I would argue in other films they 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 crank it up. Oh no, of course, bit. of course. Uh, but you even have some of like the cheese ball elements in here too. Like um, one one thing I have written down here is like there's a scene where he walks into a room and theatrically throws a uh, hat onto a uh, hat rack that is three feet in front of him. <laughs> In the weird, in the strangest way, just kind of tosses in front of him. And, of course, it's one of those things like, look how cool this guy is. He comes in and he throws his yeah. hats on hat racks. Um, like little, little things like that. Um, obviously, you have Dr. No, who is the uh, classic Bond villain with a uh, some sort of weird disability slash superpower. Um, and then also kind of uh, gets dispatched in a very unsatisfying way. <laughs> so it's yeah, like I mean, like, the, 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 talk about Doctor No for a little bit. Yeah, um, he is someone who he is like a prototype, the prototype of the Bond villain in many ways, just because like he, I think his chemistry with Bond in that scene when they're basically talking about. He you know, talk about his plan, his history, and, and, and his hands. And his hands. He won't shut up about his hands. Well, like he always which, brings uh, up his hands. Which Bond's Bond has a great comment about. Um, oh yeah, when yeah. He, when he says basically like, does this does disrupting American missiles really compensate for having no hands? <laughs> and it's like it's really savage. stinging and like just really. Um, but like, oh. <laughs> I think like I think like his uh, uh, Joseph Wiseman plays the role uh, in slight. Uh, slight Asian makeup, which uh, what, okay, so well. that was that was the thing. So is he supposed to be Asian? He's in supposed the movie? to, yeah, he's supposed to be a. Uh, as, as he mentions, he has a Chinese mother and a German father. Okay, so that's a little bit more acceptable than yeah him. I thought like at first because somebody had said like oh the Asian doctor no or the Japanese doctor no whatever they said Chinese Chinese yeah. I'm, once again, I'm still racist, uh, but uh, I just couldn't remember what what the ethnicity yeah. they said in the movie was. Um, but so when he came in, I was like, "Oh no, is he supposed to be Chinese?" But then he had that little thing about like how he's of mixed race, which he definitely isn't. But right, yes, I mean uh, that that part hasn't little, hasn't yeah. aged well. But I think which his, is another little nugget of yeah, Bond of yeah, the things um, that you would see. But I also I do think that his performance as Doctor No as little t- time as he gets, uh, I, I think it's good. Yeah, yeah I, I think like again in that scene, him and Bond has have a good tension that will be again the predecessor. Of, of the great kind of Bond villain confrontations. Uh, I do want to talk about the Bond girl because I feel like a lot of the movies are also going to be me chastising the Bond girl. Uh, this one, Honey Rider. Honey Rider, right? once again played by Ursula Andress. Which is... Uh, and voiced by uh, Nikki Vanderzel. So that was one of the things I was going to say because watching the movie, I was like clearly like, is her voice voiced over? Like yeah. when you watch so the movie carefully. This will be a thing we'll get to in a lot of the early Bond films. They are really a fan of... Of doing voice dubbing, uh-huh. basically, uh, and Nikki Vandersil will do a lot of the voice dubbing because she's actually, uh, as it turns out, from uh, learning about who she's uh, done uh, in the Bond films, uh, she's a very <laughs> who she's done in the Bond films. Um, yeah, like who she's performed as, I oh, should oh. say. <laughs> <laughs> um, who did Ursula sleep with in this uh, Bond movie? <laughs> oh man, uh, Nikki uh, Nikki Vandersil. Um, She's a very talented voice actress, and basically, like a lot of the stuff stuff that she does is basically like take this, like take like Ursula's accent, just tone it down a little bit, so the audience can understand her. Right. Um, yeah, because I was watching the whole movie and I was like, her voice is clearly dubbed over. Um, I didn't know because this is always the one. My dad is also a big Bond fan, and yeah. I didn't know like, uh, this was like I knew like the image of like. 
oh, the girl in the bikini coming up, and she has, like, the knife on her, and that was one of the classic Bond girl moments. Um, so I knew that, so it was kind of interesting, like, oh, that's, like, in this movie. Um, but, yeah, so anyway, but other than that, yeah, there's a lot to chastise about her, that she uh, she collects seashells, um, and uh, she has a very interesting reaction to Bond killing a man in front of her. Uh, you can't see what I'm doing right now, but it is a very it's a less animated home alone hands to the face and her looking slightly confused at at her <laughs> killing a, at him killing a man and then she slightly looks away and it's never brought up again um dr no apparently killed her dad because of course he did um and, i forgot that that was there yeah because no, i've seen this movie a quite a number of times and i completely that like that honestly took me by surprise with that scene uh yeah and it doesn't and it doesn't get resolved or brought up ever no. again uh, which is really i mean which is really yeah. funny and and it was and it's just i mean what what else and then it's just like i don't know you know to me she's like that kind of bond girl where she just like is like a just a leech on the bond for the rest of the movie and it's just kind of like and she just gets yeah, lost in the rest it, of the it, plot it, it is interesting because a lot of people consider like honey rider to be the first and best bond girl <laughs> okay um <laughs> i don't know it's like people there are certain things i do like about her as a character mm-hmm. um she does have like a bit of a feistiness to her that i think some of the other because there are three types of Bond girls, really. There or four, I'll say. Because there's the innocent Bond girl, like the person that doesn't um, get in, like involved. Right. Like there's like it's just like she's an innocent. She's not involved with the spy game at all. Then there's the offshoot of the innocent, which is the sacrificial lamb, like which is the innocent girl who dies. Um, there's the the femme fatale, like the, you know the the badass Bond girl. And then there's the villain Bond girl, and so as 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 a, like a first innocent Bond girl, I think that or um, Honey Rider kind of does work. I think that there's a little bit of a feistiness to her in the way that she kind of has a little fight in her, and she kind of has a little attitude in her that I think a lot of people draw to. And of course, it's that that iconic scene for a lot of people of her coming out of the water yeah. and singing uh, underneath the mango tree. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, is this an image? And like, I will say that like. Her wet hair look is like very much like an image that I do remember very well. It's just kind of it is a very striking image of just her with the wet hair, the seashell, with the seashell, the sh- seashell. Um, yeah, and uh, she should and the bikini. She could have sh- killed somebody with the seashell. Is all I'm saying. Oh, yeah, I mean, I guess she yeah. could have. Um, I I don't I I do agree that I don't think that she's one of my favorites. I I, I do think that there are much better Bond girls as the as the series goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, I can, I can, I can kind of understand why people really do like Honey Rider. Um, and she, she, her look is very iconic and very memorable. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I would tend to agree that she is kind of more middle of the road Bond girl, uh, for me going forward, but maybe that'll change. Maybe, maybe I'll find out all the Bond. Then she's like just wet for James Bond. Like, so it's so fast too. Right. Well, I mean, that is something you're going to have to get very used to. Um, Oh, I'm used to it. I'm yeah. used to making fun of it, and I will. Yeah, <laughs> as it goes um, on. Which was, um, yeah. Um, there, there, there's a, there's a few things because I think we, we're gonna have to start moving on soon. Um, if unless you have like other things to say, but I do have like a very quick list of uh, thoughts that I had about the movie. Um, one was I did like the fact that that spider was clearly not on James Bond in the scene. Well, yeah, because they they filmed that. They, they put like a piece of glass between him, right? That's yeah. what I read. Yeah. Well, they they put a piece of glass between him, yeah. and then they looked like crap. 
Yeah. So then they basically gotcha. okay. had uh, the stuntman, Barb Armstrong, do close-ups with the spider, which he said was one of the scariest stunts he's ever had the pull. Right. but like Because both the- both Connery and Armstrong in real life are very scared of spiders. <laughs> I mean, it was a, it was a pretty big spider. Um, but uh, my, uh, a, big, a big spider that comes with its own soundtrack when you kill it. Yes, it does. <laughs> like, literally, like, it's always been one of my favorite weird things about the movie is Bond, like, takes, like, his shoe and, like, starts doing a spider and he starts, like, doing it. And he's like, doot, doot, doot. <laughs> As it, as as uh, from you guys can't see it, but Nick is like striking the spider as the yeah. as the music beats, and I was like, it should have happened like three more times. Yeah, no, um, funny. my uh, one of my favorite things is that uh, it's Spectre, right? Is yeah. The la- I do like how everybody in the Spectre labs looks like a uh, aim from Marvel Comics and yeah. their little uh, their of- little radioactive hats, which I'm like, yeah. oh, how can Bond Doctor No do it? But Iron is, Man Three, oh, I was going to mention Come that because that is also something very interesting about this movie is that. Like Spectre will play a big role going forward, mm-hmm. and they set it up here. Uh, they basically like he basically like quickly mentions that he's like an agent of Spectre, right? And it's kind of setting up, you know, the kind of through line yeah. for the films, which I think is also very interesting because it is very modern. It feels like a very modern thing to like set up. Yeah, the one thing where it's like Spectre doesn't play a big deal. Like the actual Spectre organization, it's more just like Doctor No is just kind of doing his own thing as an agent of Spectre. Uh, but we'll see going forward. They, and they don't even a, really treat it like what Spectre. Like, no, it's like, they don't really treat yeah, it. That way. Um, um, yeah. So I thought that was very interesting. Also, when he's when because Bond disguises himself in one of the lab costumes. Yeah. And he's trying to disrupt, like basically, because they're gonna uh, disrupt the radio signal for uh, American rocket launch and and disrupt their their ability to go into space, like in the space race and all that sort of stuff. Um, and Bond is just kind of like, oh, I'm going to do this. So he, he goes back to the machine that's like controlling like the radiation. Right. And like he just casually stands there for a good bit of time. He's like, nothing to see here. I'm just uh, checking everything out, <laughs> making sure we're all uh, good to go right. on this uh, secret that, evil mission. He, I got to admit, like I, I enjoyed the movie, but like the last, I would say, 10 maybe 15 minutes it's just so long like there was a part we were watching it and like after a couple minutes passed i was like are they still firing the goddamn missile (laughs) or like or the rocket or whatever it just took so long and then it and then it was just like and then dr no just kind of gets killed it's it's very his hands yeah and hubris (laughs) were what did him in in the end um and my last thing is my favorite line of the entire movie which is one of my favorite little moments of the entire movie is uh so throughout the movie the Jamaican people are giving these quote unquote legends of like we don't go to this to Crab Cra- Island Crab Key yeah we don't go to Crab Island because there's dragons there. specifically it's a, it's Bond's kind of main ally in the film Quarrel yeah uh, and who gets torched and burned alive very quickly very suddenly yeah. uh but everybody's talking about like oh we don't go there because there's rumors of dragons and for us and for a little bit of time it kind of looks like they're playing with this idea of like oh there's like like a dragon out there <laughs> like not legit but like there's like oh there's something out there that you don't know what it is so they get out there and of course there's no dragon but they get out there on the beach and then eventually like the uh uh the guards of the island come around and they come to the edge of the island. It's like, we know you guys are there. And it's like, open fire. And they start shooting at them. And then it's very weird because it's like, all right, we'll be back. And then they go. And then, and then James Bond's line, <laughs> very angrily, is, that was a machine gun, not a dragon. <laughs> As if 
he was as if in his mind he was prepared to see a dragon. <laughs> yeah, which no, is another um, thing in the movie that's never addressed is like the fact that like unless I missed it was the fact that everybody thought there was a dragon. Well, we know they had the tank and then the fire and then the eyes. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll, I guess I'll give you, you weren't that. fooled. Yeah, uh, I wasn't, but it, but it, yeah. that line did just because right, that's, that's what Coral gets burned alive by the, the right, dragon right, tank. Yeah, but um, that was not that that was a machine gun, not a dragon. Was definitely at least for me the Bond line. Yeah. of the movie, the Bond line of the movie. Um, uh, I guess we'll might, that might be a recurring segment. The uh, the Bond line of the movie. Yeah, by Will Ford Conway. Yeah, um, the the personal Will's yeah. Bond line of the movie. I do want to yeah. quickly mention. Uh, yeah, that we ahead. do establish uh, a couple of the regular players, as I mentioned before. Lois Maxwell is Miss Money. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Bernard Lee as M uh, will be a, a constant source of, of continuity between all the films, even between Bonds. Uh, and then we get uh, Felix Leiter, uh, American CIA agent uh, in this oh, movie. Oh, that's Felix. Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, played in this movie by Jack Lord. He's the he's the guy. He's played by uh, Jeffrey Wright, right? In yes. The, uh, in yeah. the um, more recent movies. movies yeah. recently. We'll see him a couple times over right. the series. Uh, in, in this one, he's played by Jack Lord. Uh, mm-hmm. Very... Kind of cool, badass, uh, general like he sa- almost, almost like if you built an American from the ground up. Oh yeah, be, like he be, showed up. I was like, that guy is just cliche. American. The most American. American. He saves Bond from the guy who wrestles alligators, which was another joke when they when that guy's holding Bond and the other guy's like he wrestles alligators and Bond's like I'm no alligator. He didn't <laughs> say that, but he should have said that. Yeah, yeah, like I said, so you you definitely see the seeds yeah. of a lot of things. Here. Oh. One of the best comedy moments in the entire movie yeah. was when he kills that guy in the car and he drives the car up to the hotel or whatever. Yeah. And he's like, keep an eye on him, will you? Or he's asleep or something. Yeah. And then the guy like looks at like the dead guy and does a double take. He's like, wait, what? <laughs> that guy dead? That, I thought that was a, a funny you moment. You mean like your favorite part of the movie wasn't when they were getting the radiation shower? Yeah. Did I did I ridicule that part? I think I did. Because just, it, it was just very, like, what did I say Very about thorough. It? Yeah, oh yeah, it was just like they spent a lot of time like through like on screen a process of removing the clothes and going in the shower and going through the multiple stages of the shower. And then it wasn't even like they're done and they cut to the next location. They they have them walk into the next room and go in the elevator. It's very very thorough. And then it's like it, it kind of goes into like Dr. No starting his like hotel franchise. Because he basically like, oh, here's your room. You'll be staying with us for a while. Would you like some talk? Which was and a breakfast? nice, which was a nice room. It was a nice room. Again, Cat Adam knows what he's doing. Oh, and other bit was uh, when she was like, "How can you eat at a time like this?" Because I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "That's a, that's the kind of bond line I was looking forward yeah. to." Um, but that's really all I have to say about the movie. I enjoyed the movie. I think the last like ten minutes are a slog to for me to be honest. I just thought they didn't really quite get down like the action movie Bond third act quite yeah. yet. Because I, I I like this. I like once once he like disrupts the radiation. Like I like that scene where everything's exploding and he's just like punching Doctor No and like uh, well yeah because that's when it starts to pick oh no up, we, but the we whole forgot the, we forgot to mention one of the other best parts of the movie like the radiation or the the things exploding. Yeah, he's running around. He, he like grabs somebody like, where's the girl? Oh yeah, and then the guy's like, I don't know, and he just punches him in the he face, just knocks him out. And um, I was, and then he goes up to like a, a like a woman later, and I was very, I, I was very very much expecting that he was just, just gonna, gonna knock her out. Um, um which but, was really fun. One thing, one more production thing, I think you'd appreciate. Okay, all right, is like there's a scene where basically like he saves uh, Honey Rider, mm-hmm. and she's basically like being tied up, and she's gonna be drowned like the water's coming in and it's supposed to be like the water's gonna come up and she'll not be able to like get out of it right the original intention 
was that there was going to be like a bunch of like killer crabs around her that were going to like kill her. <laughs> yes. But they, they Is that sh- why it's called Crab Key? Uh, probably. Yeah. Uh, but they shipped the crabs to Jamaica and they arrived all dead and cold. <laughs> yes. And so like they they were I mean, like this no one. because you shouldn't kill animals right. for a movie so, so I shouldn't laugh at that but and so they were just like um so again Ken Adam the hero like rearranged the set so that it would be like a water right like, that could get in water at the last minute so that they were that I was, did think that was really interesting how he just kind of came in on the tail end of that like because in another movie there would be like a specific scene right like the tension like, would build up and it's like I, I shouldn't say another movie because like I'm sure if the but if the movie was bigger and the budget was bigger they may have had that scene right and <laughs> it's a, it'll be a scene that like we'll see in other Bond films yeah, I'm sure right, too where it's like they cut to it's like this is, and this is what we're gonna do to you um so anyway that's all we have that's all I have about the movie itself we need to get into I don't want to cut you off but we need to start moving on to our final segment. Uh, which is the, the aftermath. The aftermath. Which we talk about uh, after the movie came out, then and now. So what was the response to the movie when it first came out? Uh, actually, at the time, critically, uh, the film kind of had a, uh, a mixed reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, I think I, from what I looked at, it's like mostly like it got good reviews in the UK, mm-hmm. whereas the American reviews were a little more critical. Um, I have some reviews here yeah, from no, the time. Absolutely. Like a couple of reviews. That's so. another thing we're going to do in this segment is talk about maybe pick out some reviews that people had uh, either written or little blurbs or whatever. All right. So uh, Time Magazine. Uh, you know Time Magazine. I do great, know Time Magazine. A great intro, uh, great institution of, uh, of, uh, of, of American, <laughs> <laughs> American journalism. Yeah. Uh, called Sean Connery, quote, a great big hairy marshmallow. <laughs> Uh, he is pretty hairy in the who, movie. Who uh, moves between, uh, who doesn't, or sorry. Cracker to cracker. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, it, it, or I can't decide if he's uh, serious or self-parody. <laughs> All right. Um, and I mean, a, isn't that kind of the Bond franchise? <laughs> in a nutshell. Right. And it, uh, the New Republic, uh, um, okay. another uh, American magazine, also mentions the very same thing. Where they said it can't, the film can't decide if it's a serious spy thriller uh-huh. or a spoof thriller. Which I find very interesting. I mean, I didn't, th- I didn't feel like it was very like that silly. Well, yeah, no, it's very interesting to reflect on that because, because in again, retrospect, it's not silly enough. No, that that that's that's really the thing is, that's really the thing. Um, <laughs> you just got really close to the microphone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, that that it, just, it, it was just funny. It scared well, you. One more time with feeling. That is really the thing. See, is, you're so close. So am like, I close? Yeah. There you go. You're am I close? Now. Yeah. Am I too far? Yeah. Now you're too far. Too far. Okay. Yeah. It was just funny because when you did it, it, it frightened you. It, it looked like no, because I couldn't hear myself. So it's like, oh no. Can but not, not I can hear myself. Okay. Now. <laughs> all right. Go um, ahead. I was just worried that all this great stuff about the reviews were just gonna go to the. All right. Go. 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 Yeah. Okay. Fine. Uh, so basically, I, I think that's really interesting considering where the Bond franchise goes, and especially like kind of my image of the Moore films is that they do turn into self-parody. Uh huh. So it's just basically like seeing like Doctor No, which is this very simple, very straightforward, you know, movie. Mm-hmm. It, it's like it's very interesting to see, especially two American institutions saying, "Hey, this is kind of a parody." On a more positive note. Um, uh, the the viewers also mentioned the same thing, but they said it was it was one of the one of the highlights of the film was that it kind of had a submerged self parody that it didn't um, it kind of was a subtle little like oh we're kind of having some fun with kind of the spy idea right uh, but still making kind of a very taut very real thriller mm-hmm. uh, which I think kind of uh, is what the film is it's kind of it's very simple it's very you know 
uh, undertone, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the right word, but it's a word. <laughs> um, that kind of it's kind of smooth all the way through. And I think that that's kind of what the general kind of consensus was. Okay. Uh, at the time. Again, it kind of had a better reception in the UK. Than did it, it did. do well? It did pretty well, uh, considering it had a million dollar budget. Um, in its initial run, um, it made six million in the UK. Okay, and then it made about two million in the United States. Which, considering again, it had a million dollar budget that they really didn't—they barely went over as mm-hmm. the film got on. That's that's a good uh, that's a good recouping of the expenses. Mm-hmm. Um, in the re-releases, because it would be re-released twice, once with the next film. It'd be a double feature with the next film and a double feature with Goldfinger as well. Uh, that's really when it made its money and kind of became like this big institution of the Bond franchise. Uh, and it kind of overall through its three releases made made about fifty million dollars uh, in in uh, box office revenue. Uh, and so it was enough to say, "Hey, we uh, we can do something with this." United Artists was happy. Cubby Broccoli was happy. Saltzman was happy. Uh, Connery was mostly happy because uh, he is Connery. Um, everybody was like, "Yeah, let's let's try another one." Uh, and the and the reflect like in, in the reflective reviews of mm-hmm. Bond, uh, the legacy of it, the, the legacy way, like of Bond. Like a lot of people do say that like Doctor No uh, is one of the classics, is a very good first film. Though they do admit, uh, a lot of people do admit that it's kind of. I think what kind of where we're going with it is a lot of people say that. It's a film that is missing kind of some of the other Bond elements that the f- series develops. Like a lot of, like there's a one review I was reading, just kind of one take on it was just like, it's kind of missing that like Bond henchman, mm-hmm. you know, the classic Bond yeah. henchman that he fights. It's kind of, you know, missing kind of the middle action beat, which is probably kind of due to the budget of, of the film that they don't kind of have that big middle of the film action beat. Um but that it still kind of really works and is effective as a Bond film, as a film as on its own. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, you know, I mean, it has that unfair... No, nah, I don't want to say unfair advantage. I mean, it's the first Bond film. So it's like you always have a little bit of a kind of a leniency on it because it's like it's the first one. Right. So especially nowadays, I feel like our culture, our film culture now is very much like forgiving of because it's like, oh, it's the first one. Right. Like, so we're instantly going to be like, oh, well, it's like, you know, we'll always like, look give at, that one credit. Look at any requisite horror franchise. Yeah, exactly. Ooh, that's a that's a hot take. <laughs> Um, anything else about the aftermath of the movie? Uh, not really. Um, they just, they immediately went into production of the next film, mm-hmm. which will be From Russia With Love. But Like, know, how it's... immediately would they like, go? Like, pretty much immediately. Because the, 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 from Russia, it comes out the next, basically, they were going on a one film a year mm-hmm. thing for a while. They, that was like. Did they have like an end game in mind, or is it just like, we're just making a franchise? They're, they're, they're. Well, how long did they sign, uh, Connery on for? Um, I think part of it was like Connery's deal was around six or seven mm-hmm. but i also feel like part of the thing was like it was going to be indefinite that they were basically like every couple films they just renegotiate kind of oh here's you're gonna get a little more money but you'll do this on yeah. this one and and all that sort of stuff but because yeah because basically for the first three like they come they come out one after oh, the yeah, other yeah, like yeah. one after the other and then it's not until like thunderball or for uh for thunderball or um you only live twice that they start having to take some time between right. the films because it's just the budgets are getting bigger. The stunts are getting bigger. Uh, they can kind of afford it with the first couple because it's just so small. Um, any final thoughts on uh, yeah, Bond? Yeah, um, we well, are Doctor, wrapping up. Doctor No has always been in my top ten of the Bond films, uh, just kind of outside of the top five. 
again, I'll be doing a uh, ranking of all the films as we go along of both franchises on Letterboxd, which you can follow at uh, Great site. and Tedesco. Um, and uh, I'll be interested to see where this ends up because I still feel it will be in my top 10. Um, partly because there's a lot of Bond films that I know won't be above it and there's a lot of Bond films that I do know would be above it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very good start and it really does set a lot of the seeds for the entire Bond franchise. Uh, the investigative stuff, the sex stuff, the the gun stuff. The we we didn't even talk about the most one of the most important scenes of the movie when he just co- kills the professor in cold blood when he has. Uh, his... I think it was more so. No, I don't think he didn't kill him in cold blood because he was gonna the guy was gonna kill him. Yeah. What I did find it interesting is that he shot him again. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, because because that was the, a I, I can't a, believe we didn't mention that spasm. because like it is yeah. one of the most important developments of the Bond character because there was a lot of a lot of debates like would he kill a man with no ammo right because basically the professor character who's working for Doctor No tries to kill Bond, shoots six shots into, into right. the fake Bond in the in the bed, and then Bond's standing behind him, and he's he. He knows to, basically he has no ammo. Yeah, and then he, and then because yeah. Bond says uh, that's a Smith and Wesson, and you had your six, which is a great line. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that really is one of the definitive parts of the Bond franchise. It's kind of his coldness. He's got a license to kill. He's got a license to kill, and he doesn't afraid to use it. Um, doesn't afraid to use it. Doesn't afraid to. Use I, it. I'm master chiefing this. Uh, he's not afraid of anything. Um, is that it? Yeah. No. What? Uh, your final thoughts? I mean, I I already kind of said my thoughts on the movie itself. I think it's kind of a it's cool to see uh, the roots of Bond. I think that it plants a lot of seeds, uh, not story wise, but just thematic wise, like in terms of like like I said, the cheesy stuff, the girl stuff, the action stuff. Uh, not enough uh, puns and one liners for me in All this right. one, but that will eventually get there. Yeah. Uh, it was a lot better. It was a lot uh, better of a production than I had initially anticipated. Um, there's still a lot of tedious Bond stuff in it. Specific, I know that the third acts get better, but like this one was just like, oh my god, uh, for me at least. Yeah, um, I'm a fan of it. The, the Bond, general. the Bond girl is just uh, is ripe for ridicule as always. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I mean, but I enjoyed watching it despite it being early in the morning when we watched it. Yes. Uh, but we have to wrap up. Um, so I so our yeah. No, I was just going to say I want to thank everybody for sticking it out. Like I said, this is a slightly longer episode. Our episodes are going to be shorter than this uh definitely uh but we just had to you know it's the first episode so we got to spend a little bit more time yeah you can like you know and uh, hey if you want us to go longer just yeah. tell us yeah and we'll go longer <laughs> um but we're gonna keep it manageable for you guys um should i say some of our social media stuff uh yeah we can uh we can start going we can start plugging uh yeah. plugging the things uh just for contact information you can uh find us at, at the gmail account which is a google email account uh at uh bonzillapod at gmail.com uh if you have any thoughts about the podcast itself you want to just tell us we're doing a good job or we're not doing a good job but we rather hear we're doing a good job but Say whatever kind of job we're doing. Um, and also just any um, any thoughts on Bond or Godzilla as we get into that email then. You can also follow us at our uh, Twitter page at Bonzilla, at Bonzilla007, um, the Bonzilla podcast. Um, and you can also find us at our uh, Facebook page, which is just uh, Bonzilla. Facebook.com slash Bonzilla007. Yeah. Uh, like and subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud, mm-hmm. and share with your share with your uh, friends, friends, and, family, family, neighbors, yeah. dogs, whatever you want to do. So we we hope uh, we hope you do enjoy it. But next later this month, because we're doing a two uh, two episodes a month uh, schedule, we are getting into my neck of the woods, which is Godzilla. <laughs>
I thought you were gonna say. Something. Oh yeah, no. Uh, I, I thought you were gonna say more. Than uh, that. Yeah, I we're gonna we're like, gonna be talking we're gonna be talking the original Godzilla in 1954, and I'm very excited to. I'm very excited to too. Um, so I guess we'll just sign off. This is the first time we're signing off in an episode on a very successful episode. I, think. I hope so. I yeah. hope that the the people like this. Um, shout outs to all those people that are listening. And shout outs to my pals over in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> all right, take care, everyone. Take care.